Digital leadership is not just about technology. No. Digital leadership is still a very human-centered activity that empowers people to unlock new levels of growth on their own journey of growth. But how can digital leaders help those they are leading level up in this brave new world as we journey further into the age of AI? Well, let's find out together on today's episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Greetings and hello, I'm James Robert Lay, and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Digital Leadership Series, and joining me for today's conversation is Audrey Kanata, Operations Lead here at the Digital Growth Institute. And today, Audrey and I are going to share four different ways you, as a digital leader, can help unlock the growth potential, can help level up the growth potential of those you are leading in a digital world. Welcome to the show, Audrey. It is always good to share time with you. Thank you, James Robert. Happy to be back. Absolutely. And before we get too deep into talking about how to, yes, deal with people in a digital world as a digital leader, because there are some age old principles that are still practical, even now as we're entering into this age of AI, what is good for you right now, personally or professionally, you know, what is your pick to get started on a positive note? Yeah, well, on the professional side, uh, you and I got a chance to connect last week in real life, yes. which uh, we don't get to do every day. Uh, and it was just a really great, uh, great day together. You know, looking ahead to 2024, we just had, you know, there's so much energy in the room that day. Uh, you and I are both really excited uh, looking into next year. I think we're really, you know, confident and clear about where we're going and not just where we're going, but how we're going to get there. Absolutely. And it's so funny that you bring this up. Now, we, for those watching and listening, we don't rehearse these. We don't script these. We have a general understanding of where the conversation is going to unfold, whether I'm guiding the conversation or whether Audrey's guiding the conversation. But I want to roll this back because I actually was thinking about this over the weekend, um, this idea of in-person. And you and I have been having conversations that we'd like to increase our in-person cadence. And I was thinking about, well, why is that? And you use the word energy. There's a lot of energy exchanged in the in-person environment. I also think that there's a energy exchange too in a remote environment, perhaps even an asynchronous environment as well, but it's much more challenging to project that energy, number one, and then number two, receive that energy on the opposite end of the spectrum. What's your take on this? Because this is about dealing with people in a digital world and we have to be mindful of the transfer of energy whether that be in real life or in person or through remote communication or even asynchronous communication what's your take on this and i, I i'm asking because I'm, I'm curious to see where you're going to go with this and then i want to add some additional thoughts to, to your thoughts you know i'm i'm not really sure um i think you know, right now we're fortunate to be able to have the um, uh, ability to meet remotely as as well as we do and as successfully as we do. But there is just something about being in person, you know, being three or four feet away from somebody, you know, that that eye contact. I mean, that physical energy, I really I think there yeah. is something to be said for that physical energy of being in the same room. Um, you and I have both said 
I mean, we meet together on Zoom all the time, but when we're together in the same room, we both walk away with just this feeling of accomplishment, uh, satisfaction, like, you know, our hearts are full, our minds are doing, you know, mm. wonderful things together. So I, I don't know that I have an answer for that. I just know that there's just something that, um, you know, you just can't replace that. And and I think that's where I'm, I'm more of looking at this from a, a an angle of curiosity right now. And this comes back to some reading that I've been doing from Napoleon Hill, um, who's written Think and Grow Rich and Outwitting the Devil and a couple of other books. He actually had some early thoughts on this idea of the quote unquote mastermind. And the mastermind is where you bring two, three, four, five or group together that shares a common purpose or a common bond, a common cause. And it's an, not just an exchange of ideas, but it's an exchange of energy. And that can then create an exponential effect that I think increases innovation. It increases progress. It speeds up momentum. I've experienced this through my time in strategic coach. We see those that are a part of our program experience this as well. And even more so now that I'm back traveling again and meeting with teams in the world world, I'm seeing a different outcome. Mm -hmm. And and if we were having this conversation, say maybe it was two years ago, I would probably be like, no, we can do 100% virtual and remote. And now I'm almost kind of questioning myself once again, that it's about intentionality and awareness and timing. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's, it's not that we can't, or I mean, we, we can get things done remotely. I don't think it's a matter of not being able to, it's just when you're in person and you have that experience together, you just can't replace that. Oh, absolutely. We can get things done remotely and we can get things done asynchronously. But it's why I was mentioning this idea of intentionality, like it's creating intentional space and time so that when we do come together, there is a purpose. Because I think also on the opposite end of the spectrum, it's easy to get complacent and you get into the rote and the routine and the in-person actually becomes an energy drain on the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. I think that's a good point on the, the intentionality and the timing, because, you know, when you and I meet together, it's always future focused. We know exactly what we're doing when we sit in that room together. We know what we want to accomplish and we're not meeting for meeting's sake at that point. You know, anything that we can, we do asynchronously. And when it's time to plan and look ahead and to really make those big moves forward, that's when we set that time apart to get together. Well, and I think that's the point of today's conversation. It's it's. It's dealing with people in a digital world, but sometimes dealing with people in a digital world also means to create that space and time to connect in the physical world, or perhaps it's even asynchronous too. Um, I think of something that you and I were both a part of, and it was an event. It was an experience. I was speaking there, and I remember there was some housekeeping business that was maybe the first 15, 20 minutes of the conversation. And I remember texting you thinking like, this could have been done asynchronously via a video. And it was like 25 minutes. Oh, it was 20, it was 25 minutes. It was, it was that much worse or it could have been yeah. an email. And 
this comes back to something here and 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 you've been going through this leadership program with Ryan Holiday with leadership rooted through the lens of stoicism something you shared with me when it comes to dealing with people as a digital leader it's important to be strict be strict with yourself and understanding of others what do you, what do you mean by this here so I actually posted about this on LinkedIn not too long ago because this is one of those lessons when I when I heard it uh, in this leadership challenge it you know it almost at the time the timing was right it really resonated with me I never really thought about this before uh, but simply put it's you know it's not about passing judgment on others it's not about imposing your beliefs on others it's you know you may have these expectations for yourself and that's great and that's wonderful, but we can't have those same level of expectations on other people. Um, you know, you have to expect that people are going to have their flaws. They're going to behave a different way, you know, based on their experience. You know, I think a lot of times we might think, you know, how could that person do that? Or I can't believe they would do that. And okay, that's, you know, from our perspective, we get that, but in their eyes, Maybe it's not that big of a deal. Right. And so then we have all this energy because we're, you know, worrying about what the other person is doing and why they're doing it, instead of just focusing on what we can control, which is ourself, you know, our actions, um, the way we respond to things. And, and there's going to be times where I guarantee you, there's going to be someone across the table uh, who thinks the same thing about you. I cannot believe Audrey just did that, or she just behaved that way. Mm. And so it's up to us just to be aware and, you know, worry about course correcting yourself. Um, you know, focus on you and then let others deal with it their way. You know, I can think about a couple of recent parental experiences that I've had with my kids to where I probably should have been more strict with myself in a situation and more understanding of their situation. This gets into a, a, a bit of a deeper discussion, though, around empathy um, and being able to understand, which is kind of become a an unexpected recent theme on the podcast and some of these conversations empathy being able to understand i did a keynote on digital empathy so maybe that's just where my mind is right now around this being able to understand where people are meet them where they are and i think as a real practical example an experience that you and i shared last week for this particular podcast um you we were literally about to hit record and the lights were on and you just said, I can't do this. Yeah. I can't do this. And it was a moment of it's completely understanding. And I was like, I didn't ask why. I said, is everything okay first? What's going on? And then that led to a really good conversation that takes us to the second point of our discussion. I'm always looking for teachable moments. Because there were some things that you shared that I learned from you. It truly was a teachable moment. There's some things that I shared with you that you learned from me. And it, what do you mean here when it comes to looking for teachable moments when it comes to just dealing with other people as a digital leader? 
I think in any situation, if we're aware um, and we're open and we're receptive, there's always a lesson to be learned, whether it's an active mistake that's being made or just trying to grow your people. I think as a leader, you know, it is our our job or our duty to to grow our people. Um, and, you know, it's really and I'm curious to get your take on this as a leader, but I think it's looking and and really trying to pull the most that you can out of people. Um, you know, maybe you've got someone on your team who is very courageous, you know, a go-getter. They're not afraid of change, but maybe one of their virtues that they need to be working on is their temperament, um, you know, getting along with others, working on their self-discipline and, you know, their reactions and their responses. And it's looking for ways to pull that out of them, you know, look for areas that you know that, you know, they can, they can grow into and they can flourish and, and find those things, find that potential in there and really pull it out of them. And, I'm not saying, you know, sit down with your team member and say, okay, this quarter, we're going to work on your temperament, or we're going to work on, you know, uh, your courage, you have to kind of do that. And this is where I want to get your take on it, you kind of have to weave it in there in this way that it's not pushy, maybe you're leading by example, you're kind of giving them these subtle opportunities to rate to rise and to shine. I know you've done this for me, uh, especially where, I was very comfortable the first couple of years being backstage and, and I don't know, I don't, I don't want to speak to you, but for whatever reason, you kind of saw maybe something, you saw an opportunity to pull me out of backstage to the front stage and you never did it in a way that I could tell that's what you were doing, but it just really organically unfolded and it just created this whole, you know, new, um, just, this just no whole new opportunity for me and, and confidence boost that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Well, I mean, I think the whole point of leadership is to, to leave people better off than you found them. Um, and to help them see the things that they're not able to see yeah. within themselves. I think, you know, about the experience that you're talking about here. I mean, it became very clear that you, a are living one of our four principles for exponential growth, which is to be a lifelong learner which we're talking about these ideas of teachable moments here. And, but then it's like, well, how can you continue to apply that, those lessons to go and help others? There's no better way than through this particular medium of this podcast. And that's the whole point of the podcast is, you know, sometimes you're the teacher, other times you're going to be the student, but either way that the, there's always a lesson to learn through the experience. I think about a lot of the organizations that we work with and their leaders and to see their transformation, I think some of it is I'm observing their behavior actions. It's not, no one's bad. I, I don't look at it that right. way. It's just, this is just how they are. And these are the things that they could do to be even better going forward. So it's a creating some awareness with just conversation. And then it's also to a bit of modeling as well. So yeah. I will actually shift communication style or cadence behavior depending upon who I'm talking with based upon what they're looking to achieve or where they're looking to go. And I'll see some of that transformation happen even just within a 30 to 60 minute coaching conversation. So the, the, for me, it's, it's helping people see what they're not able to see within themselves and holding up a mirror to a degree 
but at the same time providing them with a path forward that they can take sometimes unknowingly because yeah. i think if they knew that they were taking that path they probably wouldn't want to take the path or there would be a tremendous amount of resistance to the path i mean yeah that's a, that's a key point right there i think too right yeah, and that was my point earlier of saying, you know, you don't sit down and tell them this is this is my plan for you. This is what I think. This is where I think you could go because you're right. You know, if you told me when we sat down two years ago, Audrey, my plan for you is to be on this podcast, you know, a dozen times. If I knew that was the plan, I don't know how great I would feel. But the way it just naturally, organically happened. Um, I think that's that's the important part. And I think that's the hard part too. And that's what really makes a, a great leader is figuring out how to mold, uh, you know, mold these these people that you're working with in a way that's not pushy, in a way that's very empathetic mm. um, and helpful. We just talked about uh, one of the other leadership podcasts was a you know, true sign of a successful leader is the legacy you leave behind. We talked about Phil Jackson yeah. and his coaching tree and how he really was able to uh, not create, but but help shape these leaders to go on and do all these wonderful things. You know, you, you bring up an interesting word, molding, and I don't really look at it as molding anyone for me, it's being very mindful of how do they want to grow? Like, like what's their end state? Getting real clear about that. And then, okay, that's fantastic. This is where you want to be a year from now, two years from now, three years from now. Now, what are the roadblocks that stand in the way? For me, once we understand and recognize what those roadblocks are, and there might be perceived roadblocks from the other person, but there's probably a lot of unknown roadblocks that they can't perceive. And so to me, that's the, that's the opportunity then for the leader to transform those obstacles into a path forward, whether that be overtly or perhaps a bit more subtle. And it's like breadcrumbs because we know, we know how hard change is um right. we know the pain of change and when you just take one step forward it's much easier than taking a hundred steps forward at one time right. um and 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 i think that's a a great transition into the, the next point here it's as the leader you shared with me your job is to make fast transactions and to be quite honest this didn't really sit well with me until you gave some more perspective into what you meant behind this because i i think it transactions it's very transactional i'm looking at things very transformational but i understand right. the the story behind the story so let's unpack this further yeah so i think this one might arguably be the hardest one because it takes a ton of awareness yeah. and self-control because you're having to make choices and decisions in the moment. So as a leader, when you're going from person to person or meeting to meeting, day to day, you have to be able to make quick transitions. Maybe transitions is uh, the better word I would than agree. transactions. I would agree. Um, yeah. So you go from one conversation to the next. I know a lot of times 
you might have a heated conversation with somebody, or you might have just found out some really devastating news, you know, business-wise, and you have to be able to switch gears and move on to the next conversation or the next meeting, because you don't want to carry that over for many reasons. Um, I think the energy transfer is alone, just exhausting. And then think about the next person that you're walking into that room with or that meeting with. They don't deserve to have you carry things over into them. Right. Um, it's not, you know, they don't need to have that consequence. And so it is really hard to do. I know for me personally, it's challenging for me. I, you know, very typically wear my heart on my sleeve. Um, kind of what you see is what you're going to get. And so I think it's just, it takes a minute. And if you need to take a few minutes to pause in between, okay, who, who saw, take a walk for a minute. Um, especially when you're transitioning from say work to home. Yeah. And this is very hard now that a lot of us are working remote. It's all right. You had a really crappy day at work. Um, you got to take a minute before you go and greet your family at the door because you need to be able to be a present mother, father, spouse, whatever it is without carrying that over. And this is so difficult that I don't even think it's possible to expect anyone to always do this, but I think it's something that we could probably practice a lot more of. This is the hard one for me, uh, truth be told. And I liked how you reframe transaction to transition. But as we're talking through this further, I think it's actually a transformation because you're, you're transforming yourself to meet the next person where they are and you don't want to bring the past experience even if it was five ten minutes ago into that present moment because back to the point of starting this conversation you mentioned it once again you could be bringing some negative energy residue into that current experience and your point about transitioning from the professional world to the personal world that's been a big struggle for me, um, whether it was working at home. I mean, even the office is eight, 10 minutes away. I will sometimes come home and I have not transitioned or I have not transformed. And my kids will be talking to me. And it's like, I hear them, but I don't hear them. And it's why I always say the best present you can gift another human being is to simply be present with them in the present moment. Maybe it's, I'm speaking to myself on this one, but you, you expand upon this with, with, with the insights that you shared with me, because I think too, it's creating that space to break free from the noise and the chaos and I even find myself sometimes on the way home, like I'm trying to wrap up a podcast that I was listening to on the way in or on a run. So it's like eight, 10 minutes. But in reality, it would probably be better served if I was just quiet. Because yeah. you even noted that without without any meditation, th there would be no solitude for Marcus Aurelius. Um, Matthew McConaughey was another example. What's the Matthew McConaughey example here with green lights? 
So Matthew McConaughey, when he wrote his book, I mean, he went completely off the grid for, I mean, I, I can't remember how many uh, days it was or how long it was as I read this book so long ago, but the only reason he got green lights out was because he, you know, forced himself into this place of solitude and kind of gave himself permission. So, I mean, and I'm not saying we all need to go out there and write a book like meditations or, or green lights, but from situation to situation, if we don't give ourselves a chance to, I guess, just kind of take it all in, reflect what happened, okay, process it, and then let's move on from it, like quickly move on. It's not to diminish what happened or to downplay what happened. It's just don't push things off and let it carry over because it's going to explode at some point and you don't want it to explode at the wrong place at the wrong time in front of the wrong people. Well, I mean, that gets back to this idea of, you know, looking for teachable moments when you create that space to review and reflect. And the this is a tool that we use, a coaching tool. It's, it's our maximizer tool. And very simply, it yeah. looks at what went well, what could be even better? What are your next steps going forward? And it takes, it can take a painful, negative, what could be perceived as a failure of a situation. It also could turn into a very positive experience by just simply reframing this. But this is only possible when you create that space and time to do so. And I think so many leaders, I've worked tremendously on this with myself personally. So many leaders run from meeting to meeting. They run from day to day, week to week, month to month, quarter to quarter, year to year, that they don't take time to assess what has been done to review the experience, to learn through the experience or the experiences that they've had to then think about how they could do even better going forward, which is why we've built our 90 day growth methodology to do exactly just that for individual yeah, leaders and, and I can't, teams. I can't tell you how, how valuable this tool has been just for me personally to have, and I get it. It's, it's a tool. You got to force yourself to sit down. It might take you 15, 20 minutes. Well, I don't have 15, 20 minutes, but I promise you that the return uh, on on the investment of time is is so great because when you take that time to just reflect on first of all what you've done well what are the wins that's what boosts your confidence moving forward you look back and you realize what you've done to then uh, motivate you moving forward and I think more importantly though it's taking that time to think about those lessons that you've learned because I am very hard on myself. Um, I don't like making mistakes. I don't like doing things that are not successful and it's frustrating. Um, but when you and I have spoken and you're like, okay, let's sit down, let's do the maximizer. Um, what are the lessons learned? If I can pull out a few lessons that I can learn and take forward to do even better, yeah. I don't feel as bad. Like I, I actually feel okay. That's all right. That happened for a reason. I'm going to take this and I'm going to move forward. And I think it just makes me feel more comfortable about what I'm doing and the work that I'm doing um, and more confident moving forward. So yes, it takes time. I understand that we have busy days, but it really does create such a tremendous value personally. You know, as, as we're going through this, I, the quick start entrepreneurial visionary mind in me is just firing off right now thinking that maybe 
you know, a little bit after we launched banking on change, uh, to start 2024, maybe we need to do like a banking on change retreat or just something banking on leadership retreat that invites leaders to get outside of their day to day and, and build some of these systems, which are really just habits that they can then take back to teach their teams. But, but I, I bring this up because it gets us to our next point as we start to wrap up here. You can't make a horse drink. I, I know, and, and we've experienced this. We've experienced this with other team members that we've had here at the Digital Growth Institute. We have experienced this with those in programs that are not on board with the methodologies that we bring. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. You can't make a horse drink. This is timeless wisdom, but what does it mean? It really is. You know, it is our job to to try to teach, to model those uh, that we're working, you know, that, that are on our team. Um, you know, it's important that we do it from a place of, you know, selflessness um, and not selfishness. You know, you genuinely want to help that other person succeed. But there comes a time where, you might realize that you're not getting the return on the relationship. And like you said, that's okay. You cannot force somebody to think or do a certain thing. You can try, you can do the best that you can. You can give them all the resources and the materials and the opportunities, but there comes a time where you might just have to say, okay, I I tried, this isn't working. It's time to graduate part ways, you know, no harm, no foul. It's okay. Um, this one really made me think back to, to being a teacher. How and did, how did you, how did you, cause I think that's a great example. How did you deal with this? Cause this is another growth area for me personally. I, I give a shit. I really care about yeah. the work that we do and who we're helping and why we're doing it. I there's no other way for me to say it than just that. I really care with my heart. Now you come from seven years of teaching too. And I know you experienced students who cared and you experienced students who just, they didn't care. How do yeah. you, cause you can, like I said, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. How do you deal with this as a, as a leader? Cause this is such a human, human opportunity here. This was hard. And it, it took a while for me to understand this. And I think a lot of teachers really struggle with this is, you know, we show up and and we do the best that we can for our students and we plan these exceptional lessons. We work really hard and we want to see them do well. And when push comes to shove, when the test comes around or the state uh, test comes around and they don't perform well, or they don't maybe care enough to perform well, we have to be okay with that and just let it go. I think possibly a little bit of ego is in there. Um, We assume that or we, we believe that the our students, you know, their scores are a reflection of how well we taught. And I think that as long as you know in your heart that you are doing the best that you can and you are teaching to the best that you can, I almost don't even want to look at the scores at the end of the day. Like, it doesn't matter to me. I know that I did my part and I did my job. And, and that's just true, honestly, when we, you know, we're in Texas and we have the, um, the state assessment at the end of the year. Star. And a lot of times we get our scores back in the beginning of the summer and 
gosh, I'd have teachers just calling me in tears because not all their students pass and they just felt horrible and guilty. And I'll be honest with you, the last few years I taught, I didn't even look at the scores <laughs> because it didn't matter to me anymore. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't my work here. I felt good about it. I was at peace with it. Um, and I think as long as you know, and only you know, and that's the thing, as long as you know in your heart, you're you're trying and and you want the best, the rest is in their hands. I can't take the test for them. That's a, that's a, you know, you, we started this conversation and we've always brought this full circle because focus on what you can control. Um, that's what makes us so beautifully unique. And I, I think a quote you shared with me is quote, ambition means tying your well-being to what others do. Self-indulgence means tying it to the things that happen to you. Insanity means tying it to your own actions. And I think about like that idea. Yeah, maybe I am a very ambitious person because I think a lot of, you know, my well-being historically has been based upon helping other people succeed and seeing other people succeed. Yeah. At what point does that become a weight and an anchor because that they just, they can't get to that next level for whatever reason. They don't want to, they don't have the will, the motivation. They just don't care. And that's okay. That's okay. It is okay. And, and, and I think that's where as a leader, when we're dealing with other people, sometimes, sometimes. And I've had to experience this now more and more. Sometimes we just have to let go. Sometimes we just got to let go yeah, to grow ourselves yeah. and to let them grow too. And that's and I think hard. just in general, I think sometimes the energy it takes to hold on mm. at that point, it's, it's greater than the energy it's going to take to just let them go. Um, you know, at what point are you sacrificing yourself and your well-being because of this, this desire, this need to make somebody else be even better. Um, it's a hard lesson to learn. I think, you know, in life in general, personally and professionally, you know, you just have to be at peace that sometimes it's just, you're not going to be on the same page and that's okay. And that's one of the reasons when, when we work with financial brands and their teams, I'm very clear up front and I tell them, listen, we're with you until you don't need us. Because yeah. I think this, you know, it's easy to fall into a rut, whether that you're working within a, a team, within an organization, or you're working through collaboration. It's easy to get into some unhealthy codependency when you have to be very mindful that, A, am I still gaining value through this? B, is the other person still gaining value through this? And then C, if we're both gaining value, what does it mean? We're both continuing to grow together. We're both continuing right. to level up. And your word, and you've said this multiple times, it's awareness. Mm -hmm. It's being aware. And to, to create that awareness means what? We need to create space and time to break free from doing everything, to pause, to review, to reflect, to learn, to think about how we can do even better going forward. Let's get real yeah. practical. How do we do this? Like, you know, what is the one thing? that someone who is watching or listening 
as either a digital leader or they're 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 moving growing into that digital leadership capacity what can they do to deal with people in a positive perspective whether it's being strict with themselves looking for teachable moments you know looking to make quick transitions or quick transformations between different conversations with with other team members or maybe just being mindful that you you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. What's the one recommendation you would have for someone watching or listening that they could apply next on their own journey of growth? So I'm going to go with the most tangible one because many of these are really just mindsets and habits, but look for teachable moments. Mm. Uh, when something happens, a mistake happens, an error happens, take time to think through you know, what happened? How could this be even better? What can I do moving forward? What was the lesson here? That way it's, it's not a loss. It's not a complete loss. And just really focus on that. I know we've built that into our habits here. Um, if anything, and not that it's someone's fault all the time, but if anything goes a different direction, we're, you know, we we're pretty good about sitting down and talking through it and then making a plan going forward or, Hey, this is a lesson that I learned. That's exactly right. And that, that ensures, and this is such an important part to wrap up on that ensures an individual or you as a leader, you never experience failure again. You don't like you can eliminate failure from your, for yourself. You can eliminate failure for your team. You can eliminate failure for your organization. When you look at every experience as truly a learning opportunity. And let me tell you, some learning lessons come with a very high cost. Oh yeah. I speak from experience. But I'm grateful for those experiences in hindsight and the tuition that I had to pay because that did allow me to go and ascend to the next level. So that's a really great practical one. Maybe to build upon that, Audrey, is for someone who is watching or listening, just create space, 5, 10, 15 minutes, no more, and think through an experience that you had that you would perceive as you fell short, you had some type of failure, quote unquote, what's the opportunity to transform that into a learning opportunity to apply that knowledge, to apply that wisdom going forward on your next journey, the next steps you take on your journey as a digital leader? I think that's, now we're getting really practical here. What's your your take on that wrapping up? No, I think that's perfect. Uh, You know, take that time, start building in those habits moving forward. I think you're so spot on with, with this idea of failure, like delete, control, all delete failure is not, it's not happening. If you can learn a lesson from it and find the opportunity. You know, I always say in the lay household, there are winners and there are learners. There are no losers in the lay household. And I think that's saying this true for us here at the Digital Growth Institute and those that we're working with, those that we're guiding, they're winners. There's, there's, there's learners. We don't, we don't have losers and we don't, we don't work with losers. We work with learners. And I think that creates a, an environment coming back to what we were talking about in a recent podcast, um, about culture. It's safe. When you can eliminate the fear of failure, you create a place and a space that is safe. Audrey, this has been a great conversation today. Certainly has. Thank you. What is the best way for someone who is listening? They want to connect with you on this idea of digital leadership that we're continuing to learn and explore together. 
how can they reach out, connect and say hello? Yes, please reach out to me, Audrey Kanata. You can find me on LinkedIn. Connect with Audrey, learn with Audrey, grow with Audrey. Audrey, this has been a great conversation. Thanks again for joining me for another episode of the Banking on Digital Growth Podcast. Thank you, James Robert. As always, and until next time, be well, do good, be the light. 